It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, we take a look at the offseason to come and try to plot out the ideal course for the Toronto Raptors over the next few months. What should their opening day depth chart look like? Who are the ideal mid-level exception targets? Are there big men out there who might be a fit? And should the Raptors prioritize shooting and ball handling or dudes who are large? We'll get into all that on today's show. Thanks so much for being here. Because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1182 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, May the 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. It's much appreciated when you go over there and support the show in audio form. And you can go to YouTube. We are like 10 subscribers away from 2,000. I might buy something nice for whoever the 2,000 thousandth sub is i don't even know if i can look at that we'll see but uh very very exciting and thank you to everybody who has subscribed and uh, let's keep on pushing that number north of 2k shall we thank you in advance all right on today's show it's just me going solo lewis zatzman was supposed to be on today's show or of course the editor uh the managing editor of raptors republic but he had uh dog things he had to take care of which hey that's fine uh lewis is a lovely man he's gonna be back on next week we have a very fun episode concept planned for lewis next week when it comes to mid-level exception targets baby which is really Kind of the thing we're going to be talking about all summer long, it seems, with the Raptors, because there's not a ton in the way of flexibility, and that will be a prevailing theme on today's show as well, as I'm going to attempt to plot out the ideal Toronto Raptors offseason, the offseason that I think they should be striving for. Obviously, the odds they pull it off are slim because free agents don't just happen to walk to the team that I want them to walk to. Uh, But hey, we can lay out our dreams and hopes. Why not? It's Friday. Let's get ambitious. Let's get hopeful. Also, it's not that ambitious, really. We're talking about mid-level exception guys and biannual exception guys and stuff like that. So we will get into that very, very shortly. Uh, first, though, I should tell you that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at betonline.net. BetOnline has you covered with uh, this season with more props and odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Go check them out. All right, so as promised, we're going to sort of lay out the 
course for the Raptors and what an ideal offseason might look like for them. Uh, I'll begin just kind of giving the lay of the land, what the Raptors have to work with, what's their salary situation and all that. Uh, and then we'll also dig into what the Raptors should be prioritizing going into the offseason. I think there's kind of two camps right now when it comes to, you know, the, the biggest tool the Raptors have at their disposal is that mid-level exception of about 10.3 million bucks for next season. That is really what they're going to be able to make the biggest addition to the team, barring some sort of trade. And I think it's really fascinating. Do you prioritize getting a big man? Because the Raptors obviously don't have an obvious big man on the team. Do you prioritize shooting and ball handling? We'll get into that and sort of examine some of the options for both sides. And then I have a little uh, you know, mock depth chart made up that I'm going to share in the final segment. You can feel free to yell at me in the comments if you don't agree with it or whatever, but we'll get to that to close out the show. But first, yeah, let's just kind of give the lay of the land, sort of give you the rundown of what the Raptors have to work with right now. As it stands at the moment, the Raptors have 11 guys signed for 2022-23. Of course, 15 men on the roster. You get two two-way deals as well. And they have $115.8 million committed to said 11 guys. All of these numbers, by the way, are courtesy our pal from Raptors HQ, Daniel Hackett, who I would not survive the summer without because he is a cap genius and I decidedly uh, am not. I like to stop and not try to know things I don't know. So I lean on Daniel Hackett for cap minutia quite a bit. So, you're looking at $115.8 million committed to 11 guys. The luxury tax is projected to come in at $148.2 million. The Raptors will not be exceeding the tax next season. I can almost guarantee it because you don't exceed the tax unless you are a team that is in the running for championships, which I don't think they will be quite next season. Maybe the year after that we can start talking, but I don't think they're going to be at the point in your competitive window where you want to start paying the tax because it's not just, oh, well, it's it's not it's fake money, whatever. It's it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's it's a rich guy's money. That's true. Uh, spend all the rich guy money you want, but it does come with some limitations when it comes to team building. If you're in the tax, you get a lower mid-level exception. You have repeater penalties and things that, like that that come into play if you are in the tax two out of three years. And so you want to try to save those bullets for when you actually have a chance to win a title and it's worth paying the tax because there are some punitive measures that come with it. So they're not going to pay the tax next season. That's fine. That leaves about 32.4 million bucks left over. Uh, 10.3 million of that is earmarked for the mid-level exception, which I assume the Raptors are going to use in some way, shape, or form because that's their biggest tool they have right now. And with the way the free agent market looks, to me, there's not a ton of teams out there with cap space. I think you might be able to get a pretty good player with that mid-level exception. We've also seen the Raptors in the past kind of split it up into chunks, which you can do. Maybe they give $7 million or $8 million of it to one guy and $2 million to another guy. We'll get into that as well and a couple ideas I have there. But I think that's definitely on the table for the Raptors uh, using the full mid-level exception, whatever it is that they, they end up doing with it. So that leaves about $22.1 million left after that. You have to set aside for the uh, minimum salary that the second round rookie is going to come with, the 33rd overall pick. That's about $1 million bucks or so. So that brings you down to $22.1 million in room to re-sign the 
free agents that are on the team, which include Thad Young, Chris Boucher, and Yuta Watanabe. We've dug into, on previous episodes, in the Thad and Boucher review episodes, for example, what it might take to keep those guys around. I think Boucher's got to be the highest priority. And to me, an offseason where the Raptors don't bring back Chris Boucher, barring some other addition to improve upon him, would be a bit of a failure to me. I think he's a guy who fits so well with what the Raptors want to do. Why wouldn't you want to bring that guy back? He just became a brand new player this season, and he kicked ass. He was so fun to watch and actually contributed to winning this season. So I think they're going to have to earmark a big chunk of that $21.1 million to keep around a guy like uh, like Chris Boucher. You know, Thad Young, I think, is going to come in a little bit less, of course. He had a pretty healthy salary on his last deal. I don't think it's going to be replicated. The $14.2 million he made last season feels like he's going to be in a lower tier of salary. But I think between Thad and Chris Boucher, there's a world in which you can bring both of those guys back within that $21.1 million, whether it's on long-term deals, it's maybe it's a bigger balloon payment for Boucher for next season, like one year 15 mil or something like that with a team option for the following season I could totally see that being on the table either way priority one for me is a bringing back Chris Boucher and priority you know 2b I guess is bringing back or 1b is bringing back Thad Young because I think he fits really nicely and it would be nice to have Thad Young on this team going forward um they could save a little bit more money if they waive someone like Delano Banton or Armani Brooks I you know Armani Brooks I know people kind of latched on to him near the end of the season I don't envision him being on the team next season for a couple reasons. One, Svima Hailuk is on the roster. He has a player option for next season for a couple million bucks. I would assume he's going to pick that up based on the fact that he didn't play very well this season. I don't know if there's another team giving Svima Hailuk an NBA contract based on what he just did this season. So if I'm making the business decision and I'm Svima Hailuk's agent, I'm picking up that option, getting a couple more million bucks for sure, and then maybe seeing if he can recoup his value a little bit going into free agency the following year to see if he can prolong his career. When it comes to Banton, like he's sticking around. I don't see him going anywhere. He's going to be a part of the team. He's going to be a part of the pipeline. I'm sure he'll play some more 905 games next season, but I could also see him fitting into the rotation. You know, if things go really, really well with his development this offseason, we'll get to see a lot, I'm guessing, at Summer League as to whether there's some growth going on there, but I don't think Banton's going anywhere. And then you get into a couple of interesting cases in Malachi Flynn and Kem Birch, who to me kind of feel like the guys who are on the outside looking in when it comes to the future plans of this team. It might be that they're back next season if they stick around, but I kind of think the ideal vision of this Raptors offseason sees at least one of those guys going out in order to create a little bit more money to play with to bring in maybe a more reliable backup center or something like that. And so... Yeah, I'll I'll spoil it now. My ideal depth chart at the end of the season or at the end of the show that I'm going to reveal, Ken Burge is not on there, and and I think he's someone who you might have to attach, you know, a pick to 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 move off of or something like that. But I could see a team like Oklahoma City, for example, a team that maybe is going to start actually trying to not be pathetic next season. They got the second overall pick. Likely they're going to bring in some form of big man, whether it's Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren with that pick. And I wonder if Ken Birch is like a steady, reliable backup who can set good screens for Josh Giddy and Shea Gildas-Alexander. Maybe you can seduce Sam Presti, who loves himself a second round pick with, you know, a distant second rounder attached to Ken Birch, maybe something else um, and, you know, some cash going the other way or something like that. And maybe you can offload Ken Birch that way into a team with cap space. But again, you're going to have to pay to get off of that most likely. If they choose to keep Ken Birch around as well, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. The guys that they, in theory, would bring in to replace him as the backup center are not, like, notably better, necessarily, but 
In terms of just the fit within the team, I kind of think Kem looks like he's on the outside looking in, and I could envision a world in which they try to move off of him at the draft or during the offseason just as a, a bit of bookkeeping and to free up $7 million bucks that, that, of course, he is, uh, he's, he's owed in the next couple seasons or thereabouts. So that's kind of what you're looking at with the situation for the Raptors. You know, there's obviously extension conversations to be had about Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. We'll surely do those conversations on future episodes, but for the the purposes of what this offseason looks like, the books for next season, that's kind of what you need to know. The extensions for guys won't come in until future years when those need to be worried about. So yeah, that's the kind of lay of the land of what the Raptors situation looks like. On the other side of the break, I'm going to come uh, come in and we're going to talk about what the Raptors should be prioritizing with that mid-level exception, that big tool they have to add something to this roster. I'll get to that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars in the world, and now they've jumped into the marshmallow game, baby. I love a brownie myself. You, We talk about food a lot on this podcast because I like to eat food. I'm kind of a monster and I really need to exercise to sort of make up for the crap that I eat. But Built Bar is a great way for me to not eat like crap and also get good stuff into me and also feel like I'm eating like crap. It's beautiful. And a brownie is one of my favorite sweet treats in the whole wide world. But you know what's even better is brownie batter. What's better than just licking the spoon? It's like cutting out the middleman. The the oven being the middleman here. Just let me lick that spoon, baby. And Built Bar, you're in luck with them because they have created a new bar that is amazing. It's the brownie batter puff. You heard me right. The puff takes protein bars to a whole new level and they're available right now at built.com. You got to try them out. I'm not a marshmallow person, but the built puffs are really, really tasty and they have just 140 calories, 17 grams of protein and only seven grams of sugar in the brownie batter puff. So they're the perfect pick you up for the afternoon. Maybe you're in the middle of the day, you're hitting that two o'clock wall when we all start to get a little bit, you know, dragon ass. Built bar is here for you to get, get you through the day with a nice treat. All their bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so we continue on here trying to plot the course for the ideal Toronto Raptors offseason. And one of the dividing lines, I think, among those who follow and cover the team is what should they use that MLE on? That that 10.3 million bucks, is it a shooter? Is it a ball handler who can help take some of the burden off of Fred Van Vliet? Is it some sort of combination of both? Or is it a big man, someone who can actually just play center and be seven feet tall and do typical big man things? I've made it pretty clear on this podcast, I don't think they need to go and pursue a traditional big man, really. Like, you, that's something that you can get with a biannual exception or something along those lines, and we'll get into it. I think there's a couple of options that are pretty interesting when it comes to big men who are out there in free agency. And 
the thing that you're dealing with when you're kind of in the, the discount area of free agency is none of these players are perfect. None of these players tick all the boxes. If they did, they wouldn't be in the mid-level exception conversation. They'd be making a lot more money and not within the Raptors' price range. And so none of these options are going to be perfect. No one's going to be fully 100% satisfied by what the Raptors ultimately do because just there's, there's imperfections with all of these guys. With all of that said, like I said, I don't think the big man situation is that dire. I'm extremely high on Precious Achua. I think he's going to play probably 30 minutes a game next season, mostly at center, and I'm excited for that. Yes, he's not a typical seven-foot bruiser, but there aren't that many guys like that left in the NBA, specifically starters. There are some bench guys who will come in and sort of boss you around and be huge, you know, and is the odd guy, mostly kind of reserved for the Western Conference, honestly, when you have like Jonas Valanciunas and Steven Adams, not to be worried about necessarily, Nikola Jokic as well. In the Eastern Conference, Joel Embiid is kind of it. And after that, I think you can kind of get by with a non-traditional big who does regular big things. And we've talked about Precious on this show a lot. I'm very keen on him. We had Samson Folk on last week to talk about his upside as a potential center for this team. My ideal vision for this team next season is Precious Achua starting at center. And I don't think you need to go and mess that up, get in the way of his development track by going and getting some kind of starter or someone who's going to demand a lot of minutes off the bench, right? I, I just think clear the way for Precious, at least give it one season of Precious after the development we saw this season. I think he's kind of earned it, right? Like he, he did so much to improve as a player from November all the way to, through the playoffs. I'd like to see him get the full rope for at least a year, maybe, you know, until the trade deadline at, le at the very least next season to see, hey, can he run with this job? Can the Raptors make it work without a traditional center now that they've kind of got some core guys in place and they kind of have arranged the, ro the roster in a way that they want? I, I just, I think the sort of Tetris game gets a little bit more difficult if you start adding more bigs to the mix, because guess what? Pascal Siakam can play center. Scotty Barnes can play some center. OG Ananobi can play some center. Chris Boucher can play some center. I'm assuming Justin Champagne is going to be soaking up front court minutes in some way, shape, or form next season. Even Thad Young can play some center. And I think you can get by at that position and have good players filling in those minutes at the five and not getting killed all that much. You know, Precious was really great when it came to driving defensive rebounding for the Raptors last season. I just don't see the need to go and use a ton of resources to fill that spot. If there's a trade that comes open for a Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Ayton that makes a lot of sense for the Raptors, then sure. Then maybe you change your plans there. But for now, I don't see those trades as being terribly likely, even though we will examine those on future episodes to be sure. But I just see the more likely path here is Precious gets the job and you just roll with it next season. Or you just roll with the starting five that they had this season and see if you can get a more sort of clean sample with less noise than they had this year where they were just a plus 0.5 per 100 possessions. So that leaves you with wing shooting, ball handling, whatever it might be as the sort of other thing to prioritize. And I think you can kind of almost get all the boxes checked that you want in one guy and that one guy, to me, is DeLon Wright. I know I kind of do this a lot where I sort of get caught up on old Raps faves and want to bring them back. I was sort of tongue-in-cheek about the Terrence Ross stuff this year. I was not so tongue-in-cheek about the Jakob Pertle stuff this year because I think he would have been really fun to watch, you know, play defense on this team with his offensive limitations obviously understood. But when it comes to DeLon Wright, he does, among all the guys out there on the free agent market for, for guards, backcourt players, wing players, whatever, he kind of checks all the boxes you're looking for, for the Raptors specifically. 
The Raptors are not a team that wants to have a ton of small dudes out there, right? Like, they're very uh, discriminatory against smalls. It's been shown. Fred VanVleet plays bigger than he is. That's great. He's awesome. He can get in there. But after that, if you're not long and rangy and able to execute the defensive scheme, cover a ton of ground, you're not exactly the type of guy that Nick Nurse is going to trust to play his defensive scheme. DeLon Wright has familiarity with the team, of course, but he's also got a couple of traits that I think really would help just kind of balance out the Raptors roster, take some burden off of guys like Fred Van Vliet, and just be a nice little in- injection of offense and skill and playmaking off of the bench. You know, he as, as far as like three-point shooting, I, I think his reputation with the Raptors was that he was never really a good one. And that's true. He never really kind of uh, took off. He was a 35% shooter from three on just 1.7 attempts a game with the Raptors. But since then, he's been a pretty reliable three-point shooter with the Mavericks in his first season there. 73 games off the bench. He shot 37% on 1.7 attempts with the Kings and the Pistons in 2020-21. He shot uh, over the course of that season 37.2% on 22.7 attempts, and then he was 38% last year with the Hawks on 1.5 attempts. It's not crazy volume or anything like that, but it's a, a three or two a game that he can knock down for you, and when you add that with the ability for him to get to the rim, to play make for guys, dump off passes, acrobatic finishes, and also the fact that he's a pretty good steals guy. He's averaged north of a steal a game for, you know, throughout his entire career, more or less. I think he kind of fits exactly what the Raptors would want from a third guard, right? And I think he can fit in either as a two-guard playing next to Fred or playing next to a Scotty Barnes or something like that. I think he can be your lead ball handler with the second unit. You can throw out a backcourt of Wright and Gary Trent Jr. and I think be competent enough offensively to keep it rolling. I think DeLon Wright, that type of player, is the exact type of dude the Raptors should be targeting with their mid-level exception. And he might not even take the whole thing, right? Like, he's not had enormous numbers. He's not had a crazy role with any of these teams. He keeps bouncing around. Might be something where you can give him seven million bucks worth of a mid-level exception over a couple years, and then still have a little bit left over to play with, with for a couple of guys who I'm going to get to in the final segment as potential options at center to come in and fill in for a Kent Birch if you moved off moved off of him or something like that. So that's where I'm at. DeLon Wright to me is the, is the, is the sort of cream of the crop for me when it comes to Raptors potential targets. Um, you know, there's other point guards out there. You know, Ricky Rubio's there. He's coming off an injury and, you know, his shooting obviously leaves a lot to be desired, but he does tend to make the vibes very, very good wherever he goes. He probably fit in quite nicely in Toronto. I don't hate the idea of Rubio, but I think he's a little bit long in the tooth and that injury recovery is kind of very much up in, in the air. You know, Tyus Jones would be a great, great get, but I don't think the Grizzlies are going to let him walk. He was so essential to their success this season without John Morant in particular, like really guided the ship so, so steadily. And then you also get the sort of, you know, fact that John Morant has proven that he's a guy who's going to get hurt sometimes because he plays like a maniac. And that's kind of part of the John Morant experience. You don't want to not have a guy like Tyus Jones in place if you're Memphis. So they're going to pay him. I think he's going to come way outside of the Raptors price range. And then after that, it kind of falls off pretty precipitously when it comes to guys who might be good options. You know, Jalen Brunson is going to be way too expensive. You're not going to go bring back Goran Dragic, I can tell you that. Uh, You know, maybe you want to change how you're going to allocate things and you know maybe you devote more money to the center spot and you bring in a guy like Javon Carter or something like that. I, I just I don't think any of those options really tickle my fancy all that much. And DeLon Wright can play on the wing. He's long. He plays within the Raptors system. And I, I think it's just kind of been looking for a home, for a role for a while now. And I think it could kind of maybe come in the original home that he had for four seasons. So 
DeLon Wright, priority number one for me if I am the Toronto Raptors this offseason. And I'll keep on, uh, you know, riding this train all the way through the summer because I think he would be a really, really great fit. And obviously, you love a reunion as well. We love DeLon Wright in these parts. Uh, with that, I'm going to continue on, and I'm going to, on the other side, reveal to you my dream depth chart for day one of the Toronto Raptors season and talk about a couple of big men who I think would be nice targets, either with a little chunk of the MLE or with some of the money that you potentially free up uh, with uh, Ken Birch moving up, maybe use the full biannual exception of about $5 million bucks on a guy. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our pals over at BetOnline.net, who continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news, sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, the fights, even next year's NFL futures. You got the Stanley Cup playoffs going on, too. Tons of stuff for you to peruse. Get all the information you need so you can be the informed wagerer. With me, I usually tend to go and vote, like bet on gut whenever I do dabble in sports betting, and I usually fail as a result. I'm not the informed better, but if I go to betonline.net, I can turn that around and get myself all the info I need to make the informed wager and hopefully win some scratch, baby. Head to the website, use your mobile device, and learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so, as I promised, I have an ideal depth chart for the Raptors for next season that I've concocted that I'm going to share with you in just a second. This depth chart, like I said, comes with the, a couple of things. Fima Hailuk is back. I know that's probably not anyone's ideal dream outcome, but he's got the player option. It's in his court. I would imagine he's going to be back on next year's team. And hey, maybe he can pop. Maybe he has another sort of gear to, to find. I don't know. It doesn't seem terribly promising based on what we saw this season. But as a 15th man... I think life is too short to worry about who your 15th man is, honestly. And if Svee's your 15th man for a couple million bucks, you could do worse, right? So I'm not too concerned there. Um, but that does mean there might have to be some decisions made in terms of who else gets cut. Like I said, I think Armani Brooks, probably not super long for this team. feel like he's probably kind of in line with like the Freddie Gillespie thing that we saw last year where it was a nice story, but ultimately the fit just isn't quite there and there's other guys you'd rather have on the roster ahead of him. Um, I also am baking in that I think Justin Champagne is going to be a legit rotation player next season. He was so good in the G League, really flashed as a three-point shooter. He shot like 40% on super high volume and we saw the rebounding acumen he showed the defensive acumen like he's just got a lot to his game that I find pretty interesting as a nice role player piece and I think he's going to be in the rotation in some way shape or form next season so he's on my ideal depth chart 
Then it comes down to the big man situation. And if Ken Birch is back, great. No problem. He's your backup center or he's your, you know, your third string center, your 11th man who comes in in when you need some beef up against an opposing matchup. You need a guy who has an extra foul or two to give. That's fine. I don't really mind that. But there's a couple guys who I have my eye on. And let's share it up right now, shall we? I think for me, the guy I am most intrigued by when it comes to adding to this team is Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant's had a couple of really rough years, right? He, he went and had himself a bad injury, knee surgery, missed a ton of time. He's only played like a, a handful of games in the last couple seasons, has never really been terribly healthy and stayed on the floor. But when he's been out there, like there's something there to Thomas Bryant. And, and you know, he's not a great defender. I don't know how much of that is playing for the Wizards, where it just seems like they don't really have a plan for anything ever, uh, and how much of that is, you know, the you know his own personal individual you know flaws and, and things like that. But the guy's only going into his age twenty five season this year, and he's had some really really nice seasons with Washington twenty twenty or sorry twenty nineteen twenty, where it was his second year in Washington. He averaged thirteen a game, seven boards, one point eight assists. He shot forty percent from three on twenty attempts a game. Uh, And then the year before that, his first year in Washington, he led the NBA in two-point percentage at 68.5%. He's a lob threat. Uh, You know, obviously, we don't know what the burst is going to look like. He's had the injuries, and it's kind of hampered him and and limited his athleticism the last couple seasons here. But he has the track record of finishing around the basket, which is another thing the Raptors badly, badly need. You combine those two things that's a really nice backup center who can close for you if you need an offensive heavy lineup. You would think that maybe surrounded by better defenders than the Wizards offer up, which that's not hard to do. Uh, like, but if you surround him with Pascal, Scotty Barnes, etc., I think to me Thomas Bryant makes a lot of sense. Whether it's with a chunk of the MLE or with like if you get rid of Ken Birch and move up, move off of him, get rid of. It sounds so ghoulish. If you move off of Ken Birch, send him to somewhere else where he can play and you have, you know, the full biannual exception to work with underneath that luxury tax line, I kind of wonder if maybe that's the move there. And maybe it's just a one-year deal for Bryant, right? Like, he has had just 37 games of action over his last two seasons, has really not had a ton to do since he got injured, right? And... I kind of think maybe there's a way here where you bring him in for one year, he recoups his value, then he goes off and signs somewhere else. Kind of like a Bismack Biombo situation, maybe. Um, you know, I think he probably has had a little bit more of a track record of success so far than Bismack did when the Raptors first signed him. But I think as a one-year stopgap, Thomas Bryant would be a pretty interesting call. I also believe he's good pals with OG Ananobi, which is fun. Uh, he was also very sweet and nice when he was on Selling Sunset, the sweetest and nicest person to go onto that show where everyone else is very mean. Uh, anyway, that's my reality TV watching for you. Thomas Bryant. Yeah, I I think he's kind of my top target at this point when it comes to bigs. The other guy I have on there, as you'll see, is JaVale McGee, because JaVale McGee is extremely fun and cool. He's been on good teams for basically the last half decade and been very successful. Uh, The whole Shaqton a Fool thing is very much behind him. He's just a good, reliable big man who's going to make some mistakes here and there, but he's going to be gregarious. He's going to be a lovely personality to have around. Great for the vibes. I think Thomas Bryant or JaVale McGee as that backup center is kind of my first choice as it's stands right now and all this is very much subject subject to change you'll also see on this depth chart i've laid out if you're not watching the video i'll detail it for you right now i'll also share uh like the the, the image in um excuse me I'll, yeah i'll share the image uh somewhere whether on twitter or something like that but either way to detail the, the depth chart for those of you who are uh not watching on video 
Point guard, I got Scotty Barnes as the starting point guard, mostly because it's fun to stick him there and positions are fake on this team, and I think that's hilarious. Uh, and it also moves Fred Van Vliet to the shooting guard spot where he can be off ball. Again, it's all just sort of on paper positions. The Raptors don't really seem to adhere to it very much, but Scotty Barnes is your starting point guard. I think that's just a ton of fun, so there we go. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet, your starting shooting guard. OG Ananobi, your starting small forward. Pascal Siakam, a power forward. And then Precious Achua is your starting center. Off the bench, you got DeLon Wright, Gary Trent Jr., Thad Young, Chris Boucher, either Thomas Bryant or JaVale McGee, and then the sort of third tier of players on each side. You got, you know, Malachi Flynn and Delano Banton battling for the backup or the third string point guard role. Surely some sec- you know, two guard minutes as well. Svi Mihailuk is in there as the third shooting guard. I've just penciled in the second rounder as a small forward just because it's where there was space on the depth chart here. Um, but, you know, we have no idea who they're going to take with the second rounder. I know everyone's getting very excited about the Canadian Leonard Miller right now. He's just destroying at the draft combine. Feels like he's maybe jumping out of the second round and somewhere into the middle of the first with what he's doing so wouldn't get too too excited about that one but I'm assuming there will be some kind of six foot eight dude drafted so I'll just slot him in as a small forward I got Justin Champagne as your sort of third string power forward flip flop him with Thad all you want small forward power forward again positions don't matter on this team open your mind it doesn't count there's no positions here and then yeah no third string center because I kind of just think everybody is going to do center by committee when it comes to the rest of the minutes that need soaking up behind Precious and either Thomas Bryant or JaVale McGee in this hypothetical Raptors depth chart. Again, this is very much subject to change. Totally could be, you know, off base. And maybe, you, you again, disagree with me if you want in the comments. That's fine. I don't care if I'm wrong. It's all part of the game. But either way, that's kind of my dream right now. You got Barnes, Fred, OG, Siakam as your starters. DeLon, Trent, Thad, Boucher, Thomas Briner, JaVale McGee as your kind of counted on second unit guys. And everybody else filling in the, the margins in between. You got your two-way guys. Maybe they bring David Johnson back on another two-way. Get him a little bit more run. He had some injury stuff this season. And then I'm sure there will be some sort of undrafted free agent brought in to be another two-way guy for the Raptors as well. That's a fascinating one, honestly. You know, what type of player do they target with that UDFA spot? You know, is it somewhere where they go for another, you know, long-rangey wing type who can be a power forward or a small forward or a center or whatever, like Champagny? Do they try for like a traditional big man or something? They haven't had a ton of success with that player archetype, um, so we'll see. But I would assume your two-way spots will be either David Johnson and an undrafted free agent guy or two undrafted free agent guys, or maybe they buy into another second-round pick. Who's to say? Either way, that's kind of my dream outlook right now for next season, and uh, I I think you go into that with that roster, and you're looking pretty good. You've addressed some of the shooting. Thomas Bryant, of course, has a long track record. Not a terribly long track record, but a track record of shooting threes. You got DeLon Wright, who's been pretty average, you know, all told. And then I think there's going to be some internal growth when it comes to shooting as well, which is why I'm not so worried about, you know, going throwing all of your eggs at, like, just a guy who's a pure shooter, because I think Precious is going to be, hopefully, a pretty reliable guy after his strides this season. I think Siakam will probably see a little bit of an uptick as well if he's working off ball a little bit more, work into the corners where he's pretty good. Uh, you know, I think we'll probably see a bit of a bounce back from Chris Boucher, who was really, really bad this season after being really, really good before. If he's just fine this season, then there you go. That's some shooting for you as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's probably not going to be like loaded with shooting. This is not going to be the Golden State Warriors necessarily, but I do think there's enough shooting to get by here with this ideal depth chart that I am pretty comfortable if that's how the Raptors choose to go in to next season. With that, it's kind of all I got for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We got a really fun week of shows planned next week. So Tuesday, 
We're doing a trivia episode with Freddie Revis and Catherine Niker. Uh, you might know them from other podcasts. Freddie has the Confederacy of Dunks podcast. I was on that one just yesterday or two days ago, whenever it was. Uh, and Catherine Niker hosts Buckets and Tea. They're going to come on. We're going to do a trivia on the Raptors 2021-22 season. That's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, sort of a, a final exam, if you will, for the season. Then on Wednesday, we'll be doing our over-under spectacular. Myself, Vex, uh, Jacob, and Sahal Abdi digging into our preseason over-under picks. The all-NBA teams will be out as of Tuesday. So we'll dig into, uh, you know, did the Raptors get enough awards for the, you know, the awards one to kind of swing the conversation. We did pick how many awards the Raptors would win. That is kind of the last one we need before we can do the over-unders. So that's going to be on Wednesday. And then next Thursday, Louis Zatzman is going to stop by and we're going to play a little game of mid-level exception madness where I'm essentially going to just write out all the names of mid-level guys who people want, stick them in a hat and pull them out and we're just going to riff on these guys as we go through that might be a two-day episode honestly it's going to be fun but loaded shows next week and hope you enjoyed this week's shows and we'll be back again it'll be tuesday monday's the holiday so i'm not going to do a show then but i'm excited to get back with you on tuesday have a wonderful long weekend everybody and thank you for making us your first listen of the day go support the show on all your favorite podcast apps it's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that you can also support on youtube and you just might be the 2000th subscriber of, of locked on raptors if that happens i'm pretty sure balloons and confetti rain on top of you or something like that when it happens um so get get ready for that get your vacuum vacuum out i suppose um and uh, with that we'll leave it there go make your second listen of the day locked on nhl they're covering the nhl playoffs which have been fantastic by the way really really in depth go check that show out and all of our other local nhl shows covering all the teams kicking around the nhl playoffs there's still eight teams left some kick-ass series going on and i'll leave you with that thank you have a great weekend talk to you tuesday bye-bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.